WNUR News. I'm Ali Bianco. You're listening to the 6 o'clock news on WNUR 89.3 FM slash HD1, Evanston, Chicago. It's Wednesday, April 20th. Tonight on WNUR News. The newly admitted Wildcats, everything, everywhere, all at once, and forbidden curse words. Those stories coming up tonight on WNUR News at 6. tuning in on this lovely and rainy Wednesday evening. First up, we're welcoming the newest cats on the block. Decisions for the class of 2026 were released in mid-March, but early decision admits have been wildcats since December. Check out a behind-the-scenes look at applications and admissions for NU26 with reporter Iris Swarthout. I had a basketball game and my parents were like, you cannot open the email until like we're home with you. And so after school, like I was a nervous wreck that whole day. And after school, like I went home and I put my phone down and I was like, I just like kept it at my house. Cause I was like, I cannot know that the email came to me. I got my wisdom teeth out that day, um, that morning. And it was the day that Northwestern and New Chicago came out. And so I was like loopy. So, um, I mean, I was really, really excited and um, my mom and I kind of just like hugged and cried because it was just like such an emotional day. High schoolers across the country are in the process of deciding which college they want to go to. Today, April 20th, marks an 11-day countdown to the final moment where most tuition deposits need to be made and finalized, May 1st. For regular decision applicants, the month and a half deciding time proves crucial. But some admits are not burdened with this decision. So I started doing my essay like right when school started. Leah Kakowski is an early decision applicant from Louisville, Nebraska. She submitted a binding application by November 1st of last year, ensuring that upon acceptance, she was tied to attending Northwestern. If rejected, early decision students can choose to modify and forward their applications to the regular decision pool. Um, early decision applications were due, I think it was due beginning of October. Beginning of October, I was gonna go visit Northwestern one more time to make sure that's what I wanted. Cause I was like, I think I wanna do that cause it gives me another chance. Um, cause if I don't get in early decision, I can still do regular decision fix my application, whatever. Early decision applications are typically due months in advance of regular decision ones. Kukowski's admission decision was released just short of the new year. So my name is Julia Zimmerman. I use she, her pronouns. And I'm from Larchmont, New York, which is in Westchester County. Zimmerman decided to apply early decision to Northwestern after being nudged in its direction by her parents, who thought the school would fit her due to her multitude of interests. And in October, I finally um, uh, made it to Chicago and I fell in love with it. And 
really quick switch to my applications and uh, yeah, submitted my ED. The offerings at the school, um, I'm very into theater, but I'm, uh, I do performing arts at my school and there's obviously an amazing performing arts area at Northwestern. And I think even though I'm not majoring in that, like being able to see my friends in shows and stuff like that was super appealing to me. And also obviously there's amazing pre-med there and like access to um, resources and internships in Chicago. Other students were less aware of Northwestern from the get-go due to their hometown's location. Kukowski comes from a town of just over 1,000 people and a graduating class of around 45. Because of this, Northwestern and its peer institutions aren't even on the radar for most students at Kukowski's high school. I'm from an area where going to college means going to UNL or UNL, which is just like Lincoln or Omaha, big state schools. That's what you do. Either go there or go to like a smaller community college around the state. And like, that's what everyone does. So I have a, one of my cousins actually went to WashU in St. Louis, and she was kind of the one who started me on this college process of like, you can do this, like you need to look into this, you shouldn't just go to Lincoln. Northwestern's acceptance rate hung around 7% this and last year, with over 95% of the class of 2025 residing in the top 10% of their high school's graduating classes. Just over 47,000 students applied to Northwestern last year. Just above 2,000 got in. For Vancouver resident Kevin Zong, the days leading up to decision day gradually became more stressful. Like the moment I submitted my application all the way until like decision day, I was just like on constant kind of you know, underlying stress and the stress became more and more apparent, um, you know, like a two to three days before the decision day. And I was just like, wait, like my, my friends uh, and my classmates, their decisions are constantly coming out. People are getting accepted, rejected, you know, and everything in between. Song is an international student. While Northwestern's environment hosts students from a wide variety of states and countries, Zong said leaving home bodes mixed emotions. It's kind of like, it's kind of sad because um, I've been living with my parent for, you know, for like 10 years um, and we're just like basically together every day. So it's really hard for me to kind of imagine myself being away from my family and living, you know, by myself in a whole different city and in a whole different country. Um, but I think I'm a person who likes to explore, so I'm up for the challenge. From Evanston, or whichever city you're in, this is Iris Swarthout, WNUR News. Moving on to arts and entertainment, superpowers, existential dread, and bagels? It's all packed into the latest sci-fi movie to hit theaters, everything, everywhere, all at once. Reporter Easy Pareja is unpacking the craziest movie of the year. This past weekend, I had the opportunity to see A24's latest release, 
everything everywhere all at once, with a few friends. We entered the theater to find it was almost completely full. I was surprised, as I had seen a few advertisements for the film here and there, but it didn't seem to be getting anywhere near the same attention as your average Marvel movie would. However, the studio has built a reputation for itself by previously putting out films that have garnered critical acclaim like Lady Bird and Midsummer. Everything Everywhere All at Once was already earning high ratings and surpassing past A24 projects, such as The Green Knight. Naturally, the film began catching people's attention as word began to spread of the studio's new success. I knew it was like about a multiverse and like fighting like a greater evil across the multiverse. And I kind of expected it to play off like a lot of the themes that you'd see in like Loki and stuff like that that now Marvel's getting into. Um, yeah, that was kind of like my general sense. I knew it was going to be kind of goofy to an offbeat. That was Colin Harrington, a freshman RTVF major and one of the people who went to see the movie with me. I originally heard about it from him, and knowing how many movies he watches and how high his standards are, I entered the theater with high hopes. However, I did not expect to be holding back tears, still glued to my seat as I tried to process everything I had felt within the past two and a half hours as the credits rolled. Everyone else in the theater seemed to be experiencing a similar roller coaster of emotions, laughing and gasping and holding their breaths as the plot unfolded. It started off feeling serious, got super kind of like, whoa, what is this? And then by the end, I was like, that came through like to emotional fruition, you know? So if like two thirds of the way through, you're sitting there and you're just like, this isn't what I thought it was gonna be. That last third, it comes back. Everything Everywhere All at Once earned $6.1 million in the box office this past weekend. Although this is nothing in comparison to many major blockbusters, it earned almost $2 million more than competing superhero movie Morbius starring Jared Leto, an impressive feat considering its much smaller budget. Overall, the movie seems to be getting more attention every day. Here's Harrington's take on what makes it so special. I think it's really unique in itself, like stylistically, but also super creative with how it uses like kind of like a superhero trope, um, but in a really serious way to like cover like intense topics that like you know most superhero movies wouldn't like use it to cover. Um, and I would kind of define this movie as like a superhero movie. Like think like yeah, you don't like it's not a comic book movie, but it's still a superhero movie. And I think what's like going to be kind of what sets it up as like really classic going forward is not only just that it's super unique, but I think it has like a lot of like emotional points of like, there's a lot of stuff in it that like people, that a lot of different people can emotionally relate to um, versus like other movies that are like kind of more niche, but like it hits, hits home for like a lot of different audiences. Um, and another thing that I thought was super creative was just the editing style in general, because um, you could kind of tell um, it, it wasn't a movie that received, you know, Marvel funding for editing, CGI, graphics, all that. Um, but there was really creative use of cuts and of um, just different editing techniques to make it feel like it was doing the most with the budget that it had to accomplish a lot. Needless to say, Everything Everywhere All at Once is a must watch. The creative execution of the concept, emotional depth, and incredible performance by the actors create the ultimate once-in-a-lifetime movie-going experience you'll never forget. If you're looking to watch a movie like you've never seen before, this is it. For WNUR News, this is Izzy Perea. Welcome back. And now to a story 
almost as wacky as everything everywhere all at once. Ever wondered what words we aren't allowed to say on the air? Here is our executive producer, Sarah Kadora, with a story on curse words that may be her last. Like a lot of newsrooms, WNUR News uses Slack. On a busy day, I might get 50 or 100 Slack notifications. We use the app to schedule meetings, make announcements, answer questions from reporters, and all the other logistics that go on between meetings. By far, my favorite kind of Slack notification is the can I say this message. On the radio, strictly censored music and NPR hosts probably make us subconsciously aware that our news packages can't contain f or sh or a lot of the other fun four-letter words. But expletives exist on a beautiful spectrum, from stupid to c And at a student-run radio news show, we rely on other students to decide what gets bleeped. PR Chair Zach McCrary, April 13th. Can I say horny in a story? Co-director Nick Song. Yeah, you good. Campus local editor Maria Jimena Aragon, October 15th. Can we say Zach, no. On October 4th, I asked the Slack, can we say jerk off on air? Nick, verb or noun? Me, noun, Nick. You should be good. I don't remember what that story was about. And until now, I don't think I've said jerk off on air. With varying degrees of confidence, we spare each other the burden of making that final call. I've been executive producer here for about a year, and I still don't feel confident in answering. What can't I say on the air? I considered interviewing the actual adults who advise our college radio station, but I was a little scared they wouldn't like the story. Maybe even politely tell me not to do it for fear of our FCC overlords. So I went to... The News Directors. My name is Nick Song. I'm the co-news director at WNUR News. So my name is Alex Harrison, and I'm a co-director at WNUR News. Nick and Alex are juniors like me, but they're also my bosses. Oh, I guess, sure. I I guess I'm your boss, if you want to put it that way. (laughs) So when a reporter asks me about a questionable word, I don't want that decision on my hands. I ask Nick or Alex. Uh, Generally, anything that would be considered profane or just too strong for, you know, evening television. If you couldn't say it on the nightly news, you can't say it on the radio. Nick and Alex have to get trained every year on what we can and can't say on the air, like all of us at WNUR. There's a meeting with the club and people who want to DJ on air where they learn about basically what is required to get certified by the FCC. My name is Brendan Kaplan, and I am a rock show DJ with WNUR. We have to, as DJs, fill out a quiz to make sure that we know what we can and can't do on air. Here's the thing about that training. FCC guidelines are incredibly vague. Content that's judged as obscene can never be broadcast on American airwaves. Obscene content, quote, appeals to people's prurient interests, depicts or describes sexual conduct in a patently offensive way, 
or lacks artistic merit, end quote. The FCC itself admits on its website that determining what obscene means can be difficult, depending on who you talk to. That's also a quote. In other words, there's no list of things you can't say on the radio. At least, not a complete list. Our FCC training includes seven NFA words, not for airplay. Management tells us that saying these words on the radio, in any of their forms, could in theory get the station fined or its broadcast license revoked. Okay, well there's f Damn it, there's one that I always forget. Bitch isn't in there? Wow, okay. Slash goddamn. Um Okay, so that's five. <laughs> let me let me for, re, let me go back then. So definitely f can't say. We cannot say. It's definitely off limits. Uh fuck. Well that well that's one of them, but <laughs> I don't know if you count motherfuckers as a separate one from fuck. So I, I wouldn't count that. Let's go with and um tip. We are allowed to say tip, right? We aren't really. Wow. But this is a college radio station. Mistakes happen. If obscene content is set on air, there are two dump buttons in the WNUR studio. It's a big yellow button with the word dump on it. You can hope that you catch it in time, you hit dump, and you're saved. WNUR runs on a 16 second delay, and so by hitting the dump button, you're cutting eight seconds out of that delay, and it's like skipping ahead in the broadcast. Uh, it would sound like a jump cut if you're listening on air, and that is to ensure that the swear has been removed. I think I, I've used the dump button once. I think there was a package where I think someone accidentally said the S word in the background or what sounded like the S word. And I hit it just in case, just because I did not want that smoke on my hand. Uh, this was before I was news director, so my limited cloud that I have, um, I did not have back then. So I was very much like, I don't want to get blackballed from this radio station I just got got at. I have had to hit it several times. Um, it happens a lot with songs on Spotify where artists won't mark whether or not they're explicit. And we do check lyrics beforehand if we have time, but we don't always have time. And so there are instances in which songs end up getting played on air uh, where we start to scream and hit the dump button uh, and then lament our poor decision making. I was having second thoughts. Would listeners, station management, or God forbid the FCC, think of this story as poor decision making? I did what I always do. I asked Nick. Okay. I'm a little nervous about this story. <laughs> okay, why's that? Because I, even though I'm not gonna say the words on the FCC list, I'm still considering saying everything else, like yeah. pussy and dick <laughs> and goddamn, like that could still make, you know, grandmas clutch their pearls. Um, I mean, you know, let them, I guess. <laughs> the real secret to all this radio stuff is really like the FCC doesn't have 
they don't hire people to always be listening to what happens on the radio. Like, ostensibly, they, they rely on people to, like, snitch on them, I guess. The way that they enforce it is by people complaining to them, and then they decide if it's obscene or profane or indecent. So there isn't a way to be totally in the clear about this. Like, anybody can complain. I think that's true, and honestly, one of my biggest gripes with the FCC personally, um, they don't specify any of this stuff. I think we can say the word pussy on its own. However, if I want to say I want to have <laughs> I would bleep that right there. Um, it, it's all about towing the line, and I think as long as we're not explicitly being explicit, we're good. Okay. Okay. I, I feel like I haven't convinced you. No, no, because <laughs> because here's the thing. I can say pussy as in cat all I want, but in a story about words that we can't say on the radio, the implication is that... Sure, in the greater context of it, but in that specific context of the sentence, my brain is hurting, which you should probably believe, uh, I think... I wish I had a better answer for you. Other than I don't think that we're going to get in trouble. <laughs> if we do get in trouble, my ass is on the line. Um, I don't know if, you know, is bleep there if, uh, if shit happens, which we definitely have to bleep. Mm-hmm. For WNUR News, I'm Sarah Kadora. Unless the FCC is listening, then I'm Nick Song. An unbleeped version of this story will be available on our website, wnur.news, for all of you curious people out there. A look at the weather for tonight. This 420 wasn't so high and dry. 48 degrees is the current temperature. It's also raining and it's making me sad. We'll be seeing a low of 46 degrees tonight with a 90% chance of rain, not to mention high wind gusts. Plus, cold weather might not be the only thing in the air this evening. Tomorrow, we might just see the sun come out with a high of 66 and partly cloudy skies. Make all your plans for tomorrow, though, because Friday is bringing rain yet again. Taking a look at the headlines, just yesterday, Northwestern Administration announced a new mental health service partnership with virtual therapy provider TimelyMD via a mass email to students and faculty. The service will be free for students to use and includes a virtual one-on-one -on -one and group therapy sessions, plus 24-hour access to a telechat to address mental health concerns. And in Associated Student Government news, as of Saturday, we now have two new elected leaders on campus. Jason Hagelmeyer and Donovan Cusick won the ASG presidential election and are being sworn into their new positions as president and vice president this evening. In Campus Entertainment, A&O Productions announced their spring speaker, Ruth E. Carter, yesterday. Carter is an Academy Award winner for her work as a costume designer in Black Panther. The event is free this Saturday in Harris Hall. In sports, NU Baseball faced off against the visiting St. Louis Billikens. Steven Rustich hit the only homer of the day, bringing in three ones. The Cats won 8-5. 
Meanwhile, the seventh-ranked Northwestern football team is in Champaign today. They played a doubleheader against the U of I Illini. First game, Wildcats score three runs in the fourth inning. That was the only score that game. Second game, Illini shut out the Cats, scoring six runs in the second inning. Cats lost by a run rule in the fifth inning, eight to nothing. And nationally, the Transportation Security Administration announced Monday that they would stop enforcing the federal mask mandate on planes and other public transportation. This comes after a federal judge in Florida struck down the requirement. But this court case is being appealed by the Department of Justice based on guidance from the Center for Disease Control and Prevention. Would it be too punny to say that the mask mandate on planes is now up in the air? That's all for WNUR News at 6 p.m. For more news updates and reports, follow us on Twitter at WNUR.News. You can listen to these and other stories of the day on our website, WNUR.News. That's WNUR.News. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Our producer today is Zach McCrary, and our reporters are Iris Warthout, Isi Bareja, and Sarah Cadora. From all of us here at WNUR News, I'm Ali Bianco. Thanks for listening. Catch our next newscast on Friday, April 22nd at 6 p.m. Now back to scheduled programming.